0: To make it in cannabis, first you must dare to. 12 years ago, MJ BizCon dared to unite the global cannabis community, igniting a movement that continues to thrive. The wait is over. Let's grow together this November 28th through December 1st in Las Vegas. You'll hear incredible stories, see groundbreaking innovations, and forge connections you need to thrive in 2024. The wait Snag your ticket to MJ BizCon in October, and you are eligible for the 31 days of Croptober giveaways. Promotion going on right now. So, hurry, get your ticket today. And here's a secret. Podcast listeners get 10% off with promo code 23POD10. Yes, that's 23POD10. Don't miss out. Get your ticket at mjbizcon.com. That's mjbizcon.com. Hello everyone, Morris here from Let's Talk Hemp and the WAFPA family of brands. This episode is set to broadcast on June 3rd and marks the halfway point through season three of Let's Talk Hemp and the 422. I wanted to open up this episode prior to the music intro to make a general announcement that things are much different at this point in June 2020 than I would have anticipated six months or a year ago. It's basically surreal how things have changed since the beginning of the year and going back until mid-2019. The industry is looking quite different, but at the same time, the majority of folks I know who have been involved with hemp for the last 5, 10, 20 plus years are still involved and will more likely continue to be involved for years to come with their dedication to the plant and wanting to make the world a better place. We are going to shift it up on the show here a bit. We have been releasing episodes every other week, which we have been pretty consistent about thus far, but we are skipping an episode on the 17th of this month and we will be broadcasting live for the Experience Hemp Summer Solstice virtual conference and trade show on the 16th, 17th, and 18th. More information on that event can be found at nocohempexpo.com. We have a great event in store for our virtual friends who we cannot wait to congregate with again in person, but until then, we are connecting in the cloud and doing the best that we can. And on that note, Episode 6 of Season 3 will begin in just a minute. Back, my friends, to the show that never ends. I'm glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside, come inside. Right Right now, now. you're listening to Let's Talk Hemp and the 422. Welcome to the show. Here we are. Let's Talk Kemp in the 422. This is episode six, season three. I am here with my partner in hemp spirit, Mr. Rick Trojan. How are you doing this afternoon?
1: Morris, it's a beautiful day in Colorado, like a lot of days, and we are just coming out of the COVID crisis somewhat. Every day is getting brighter, I think.
0: Every day is getting brighter. Here's one for you. So last night, I uh, had to drop a mask off to Kate. She went to get her hair done, her first hair appointment post COVID or during COVID, whatever you want to say. And she's like, Hey, did you see that there was people over there in the blind pig in downtown Fort Collins? I'm like, no. So I gave her a mask. I went over to the blind pig and they actually were seating people for food and drinks. So I sat over there and had a margarita and some tacos and my first time in a restaurant in I don't know, a couple of months. That's awesome. While you're waiting for Kate to get her hair done? Yeah. Then she was kind of upset that I actually went over there and and had a meal at a restaurant without her since we've been quarantined together. And she's like, you should have waited for me. And uh,
1: Yeah. But on the flip side, well, that's just relationships, buddy. But on the flip side, you were social distancing in case there was something at the Blind Pig that you didn't want Kate to get. So I think that was being a good boyfriend in my view.
0: Well, I was just checking it out, making sure that the restaurant was safe. And it was safe, and the tacos were good, and the margarita was good.
1: Good. And then did she have food with you afterwards or no?
0: No, we just uh, hung out at home afterwards and didn't do a whole lot.
1: Yeah, but uh, it's good to be able to get out. And was was it crowded there? Was there a lot of people? Was it What was the social? I haven't been to a restaurant yet. So what was the social distance
0: piece of it? So the tables, they probably removed half of the tables, I would say. There was probably eight to 10 feet between the tables. So you could set four at a table. And of course, you would have four people right next to each other. Nobody was wearing masks except for the people serving food. So I could take my mask off, sit at the table. And I would say there was probably 25 people in there maybe. And I think that the limit is you can only have up to 50 people in a restaurant at any given time right now.
1: Which is interesting because restaurants don't run on a 50% margin, right? They run on a very tight margin. So I don't know if you know, that's even going to help them get there or get back.
0: Well, so here's what's interesting is so there can be up to 50 people in the restaurant. Well, let's say your capacity is a restaurant that holds 75 or 80. And then you've got a restaurant whose capacity is actually like 400 or 500 because it's a really big facility. But yet the max you can have in a restaurant is 50 people. So it's kind of unfair to some of the larger restaurants that have more capacity.
1: Oh, it's 50 people total, not 50%. It's not half. of your well, capacity.
0: They, There's some sort of up to 50 people or 50% of your capacity. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't uh,
1: make sense at all. But I saw your masks, by the way, your masks are phenomenal. Uh, the new mask, Black Sabbath one looks really
0: good. Thank you. I've got, I've got another four of them on the way. I've been going crazy at maskcentral.com.
1: <laughs> We're going to be like Japan and uh, and China in, in their
0: time. Well, I'll be yeah. identified by our masks.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. So other things that came up that's really cool this week is there was a a report, I guess, or a a study in Canada that found they they went through 400 different cannabis strains. Uh, This is the University of Lethbridge, outside of Calgary. And they found that a number of them reduced the number of virus receptors by 73%. So essentially, if you take these strains, if this this proves to be uh, replicatable over uh, a larger study, you can reduce your chance of getting COVID by a 70, they said 70 to 80%, which essentially because the cannabinoids bind to the same receptors that the coronavirus would bind to. And so such so to think about it as a parking lot? They take away 70% of the parking spaces. Sometimes you drive into Home Depot and there's only five parking spaces in the back. You just drive home because you don't want to walk that far, right? So maybe coronavirus is, is lazy as well. Yeah. 50,001 uses, COVID-19. We did COVID-19, Hemp 20 was, I think, our 31st episode, and that we didn't know back then how true we were with the naming of that podcast, buddy. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible to see how, of course, FDA won't allow you to say that, but according to these studies, that's exactly what's happening. It would have been interesting to be a patient, though, 400 different cannabis strains. That's like being a Hemp Connoisseur Magazine judge, but on crack. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, judging for so, that contest back a couple years ago with Madelina, and they were very free as far as providing great samples.
1: Yeah, I was a, a judge again this year, and I think I had they had six categories, and I think I judged four of them. Edibles. There was a beverage category, which was awesome. There was a CBD category, concentrate category. It was. I literally had to put myself on a regimen morning, noon, and evening with different, um, you know, trying the different products, so that I could get an accurate representative feeling for the product and also be able to get stuff done during the day as well was that being done during COVID that, Uh yeah that finalized during COVID. so in, in april and, and they announced that they did everything online it was you know like all of us going going online but uh, obviously you can't sample the products online so we had to go up and do that do that for real but we picked those up before we had to do all the COVID stuff so that was like early march i think right after we got back from cali actually right OK, COVID hit New Hope right in that, in, that, in that conference, but it hadn't quite hit Colorado yet. And then obviously it did moments after.
0: Yep. It just so kept on
1: coming. Kept on hitting, it, uh, which is interesting now. We're getting a lot of pushback on these numbers, right? The numbers of people that died from COVID, the number of people that were hit with COVID. I know Colorado and Jared Polis changed the numbers and said essentially they wanted to report people that died of COVID versus people that had COVID at the time of death which was being reported as a COVID death previously. So lots of conversations about the numbers and where things are going, you know, states like Georgia and Wisconsin and some of the other places are, are opened up. Will they have a resurgence? California is still locked down. I mean, it's just each state is so different and you can go between states. so It's, it's almost like in kind a of mayhem out there.
0: Yeah. Well, the goal was to flatten the curve, which brings it down. It doesn't mean to eliminate all new cases altogether. So, Flatten the curve. This is something that's going to be around for a long time, forever, probably. It's not just going to disappear. So we all have to get it and, and we just have to deal with it. And we don't need to be locked in our homes or forced to be in our homes if we have to get out and work.
1: So here's the question. Let's say everyone had access to the test and the tests were actually 100% accurate instead of 40% false. If we had 100% accurate tests and you were tested for the antigen right, and said you, you, you have already had COVID-19, should those people be allowed to go out and, and be in public, or should they have to also quarantine themselves?
0: Well, the question is, if you have the antibodies, can you get it again? And I guess that the verdict is still out on that. So I would say let's that your say, chance- Let's of- say
1: no, for sake of argument. Let's say no, you can't get it again. It's like chickenpox. Once you've had it, I mean, some people get chickenpox twice, but it's few and far between, right? So let's say it's like the chickenpox. Once you get it, once you've had it, you can't get it again. So in that scenario, let's say you've confirmed you have it, should you be allowed to go about your normal life?
0: Absolutely. And and
1: if you if don't have it, then it would be up to, it's up to you whether you want to go out and engage or not.
0: Exactly. Personal responsibility.
1: I agree. Eventually, we're going to have to get back into interacting with each other and being normal human people, right? The new normal, I don't think, is even a thing. Like the regular normal, where we're regular people and interacting and going to conferences and, and engaging and hugging and shaking hands and all that fun stuff. I would hope we're going to get back to that because that that's a much better way of living than in the bubble,
0: as I like to call it. I totally agree. And I think that we will get back to that. I read this Futurist article that came out like last week and, and people's reactions as to the new normal is going to continue on for this period of time and we're going to continue to wear masks. And that'll wear off because by our nature, we're just not like that. And we're going to get back to shaking hands and hugging and, and doing all of that eventually. It's just a matter if it's going to be three months or six months or 12 months, but we're not going to be wearing masks and not getting together in person and all of that. We just, our species just won't do that.
1: And, and it's interesting from a cosmos standpoint, right? To get a little more large, right? 2020 is a pretty monumental year as far as alignments of cosmic. Like we have four eclipses of the moon. We have two eclipses of the sun coming. It's a year when we can all connect, right? And, and there's a lot of energy being aligned, I think is the best way to say it. So
0: yep. I'm
1: excited to be able to meet with people in person again. Me too. And NOCO 2020 coming up in a couple of months. We'll definitely, that's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be good for everyone to come back to Colorado get back to a larger venue and really start engaging uh, again with one another personally and physically. There's so much to be said for, for that. And we're, we're lacking that. And, I, and it's good that NOCO is going to bring that back out for us in, in a big, big way. Uh,
0: and that's at the beginning of August. Yep, the 6th, 7th, and 8th of August in Denver, National Western Complex, and the Renaissance Hotel.
1: The, the hemp renaissance at the Renaissance Hotel. I like it.
0: Well, we had um, the Renaissance party there last year. That was fun.
1: We did, and we had some big plans for the Renaissance party this year. Big plans, but uh, we'll have to just bring them up in August instead of... Which is good. It gives more time to work on costumes. Speaking of a step above, we have a great group coming in. This is the first time we've had three different panelists, I think.
0: Isn't well, the first time this year. We, I think we did back... On season one, we had an episode where we had like three or four or five people on it.
1: Yeah. So since since that time, it's been a while, but we have the amazing Annie Rouse uh, with Think Hempy Thoughts, and Navi Market, Hemp Industries Association Secretary. Uh, we have uh, the amazing Sean Hauser, with Vicente Cederberg. She does their hemp and, and cannabinoid policy. She's a fantastic attorney there. And then another great attorney and advocate, Courtney Moran, who did some amazing stuff with transportation pre-farm bill. They all put together an amazing campaign called Hemp for Our Future, which we'll get into with them here this afternoon. And, and you, you collected quite a bit for Hemp for Our Future campaign as far as clothing and stuff for the needy. correct?
0: Correct. We made a donation on behalf of Colorado Hemp Company and the Friends of Hemp Collaboration. Uh, it ended up going to Good Samaritan that works with the Denver Homeless and a variety of shelters there. But we gave over 200 items of clothing. A lot of that was hemp clothing. Some of it was just repurposed clothing, but that's all things that our crew felt that we could part with and donate to a good cause. And I think that it's great for the hemp industry to come together and work with local organizations and provide services and products and whatever we possibly can to help those that are less fortunate than us at this point in time.
1: And the reality is is they used hemp, right? The hemp plant was uh, critical, right, for World War II, a Hemp for Victory campaign. And we think, and if the government allows us and we do this correctly, hemp can be the economic driver out of this pandemic and out of this depression that we're going into, right? I think it, it can add jobs, it can add manufacturing. For crying out loud, that the government stored hemp during World War II and actually protected it with armed guards, and Andy can tell us all about that. And I hope she does in this next segment. But it's a, a vital part of our history, and it's a vital part of our recovery if we let it be. So, hemp for our future is uh, is helping to show people that hemp and hemp products can help do that. So, let's uh, let's get on the phone with the with the ladies and chat with them.
0: Sounds good. We'll get them up here in just a second. <laughs> Welcome back to Let's Talk Hemp in the 422. And this week we have Courtney Moran, Sean Hauser, and Annie Rouse with us, who we will be discussing. Hemp for our future. And we're going to start off with Courtney. Let me get the introductions going here. Courtney Moran, founding principal of Earth Law and chief legislative strategist for Agricultural Hemp Solutions, uh, which is a leading expert on U.S. hemp law, championing legal policy for sustainable cannabis hemp agribusiness development. Courtney also was successful in suing the government, establishing precedent for the shipment of hemp, specifically hemp derived CBD and viable hemp seeds through the U.S. Postal Service in October 2018, prior to the passage and enactment of the final farm bill. And she worked closely with the uh, officers of Senator Ron Wyden and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell in drafting and negotiating the Hemp Farming Act language included in the 2018 Federal Farm Bill federally legalizing hemp.
1: Right on. Thank you, Courtney. We also have Sean Hauser, who is a partner and chair of the hemp and cannabinoid department at Vicente Cedarburg here in Colorado. Sean develops marijuana and hemp businesses, navigate the intersections between state and federal law, including hemp law, food and drug law, regulatory compliance, licensing, general business representation, investment, and general business matters. She remains active with local and state governments in Colorado and Texas, and is passionate in supporting the development and implementation of marijuana and hemp regulation that advance the cannabis industry in a dynamic and responsible manner.
0: Welcome, Sean. And last, but certainly not least, uh, Miss Annie Rouse, who is a Kentucky native, an environmentalist, U.S. Fulbright scholar on hemp, and an entrepreneur. She is the co-founder of Anavi Market, an e-commerce site for vetted and verified CBD, As well as the co-founder of the U.S. Hemp Authority-certified brand, Overcome. She has established a sustainable hemp supply chain from farm to finished product through her manufacturing arm, OP Innovates. She serves on the Hemp Industries Association Board of Directors, U.S. Hemp Authority Board of Directors, and is founder, and sits on the Board of Directors for Friends of Hemp. Welcome, Annie Rouse.
1: Thanks for joining us. We're excited to have such hemp industry stalwarts and amazing businesswomen for this podcast. You're all three leaders in the space, and you've been doing great stuff for the plant for over two decades combined. So your latest campaign, Hemp for Our Future, which we'll talk about today, focuses on bringing back hemp as an economic and patriotic revitalizing force in the USA. So tell us, what exactly is Hemp for Our Future?
2: Well, thank you so much, Rick and Morris, for having all of us on the podcast today. So Hemp for Our Future is a social responsibility initiative that's empowered by a collaboration of hemp industry stakeholders and supporters. What we're doing is creating a network of businesses that's supporting the production and facilitation of donations of legal hemp-based materials and products, traditional hemp foods, and other hemp materials to medical professionals and other community nonprofit organizations that are helping those experiencing the devastating impacts of the COVID-19 crisis.
0: And how was hemp for our future actually born? Where did the concept come from?
3: The concept came from Courtney and I's desire to both help people during the crisis. We were actually kind of on the phone at the you know first few weeks of COVID, talking about everything that was going on and feeling like we wanted to help, and that hemp was actually sort of uniquely suited to be helpful in in many ways during this crisis, and maybe there could be a way to help while also highlighting the many uses of hemp and its nature as, you know, a a critical resource. And we were really inspired and feeling the kind of spirit of the 1942 Hemp for Victory campaign, where the government, you know, mandated that U.S. farmers grow hemp to make supplies for the war because trade was cut off with Japan, so, you know, required them to make rope and other supplies. And perhaps there was a way to both help people in need, you know, with things like masks that are going to be standard uniform and food for food workers that need, you know, nutritive superfoods and food to get them through the day and, and others that are disproportionately impacted that might need food or clothes and, you know, just a host of things that could be made out of hemp. So it was born out of a desire to help and a desire to really illuminate the many uses of hemp and the, the great companies in this industry. And then we you know, discussed the initiative with, with Annie and Friends of Hemp, and it was really aligned with their values and, and education and advancing the industry and kind of built a platform from there.
1: That's great. Well, let's talk about that a bit, the parallel between the Hemp for Victory campaign in 1942 and World War II, and then the Hemp for our Future campaign in 2020. Kind of explain the differences and the similarities. How is this similar to what we did uh, with the Greatest Generation during World War II?
4: So a lot of what happened during World War II is, you know, at that time, the Marijuana Tax Act had passed back in 1937. Farmers were no longer really growing the crop anymore because of restrictions and taxation and licensing. But during the early 1940s, the government actually went out to these different farms and started acquiring seed stock for hemp and then put it into actually a warehouse in Winchester, Kentucky, where it was heavily guarded by Armed military men, because it was seen as as that much of a, an important resource for the future of America and our allies. And so, the year after that, they redistributed that seed stock to various farmers and did a whole campaign called "Hemp for Victory" that taught farmers how to sow it and grow it and how to harvest it and how to turn it into rope and parachute webbing and shoelaces and a lot of very important. Resources that we needed in order to bring victory to World War II. And so today we're kind of in that similar, similar parallel. We are coming out of this restriction with the farm bill and everything. And a lot of what hemp can do is provide resources that we need in the US and abroad to really help those impacted by COVID, whether it's nutrient dense food coming from the seed or moisturizing lotion coming from. The seed and from, you know, other ingredients found in hemp or just through textiles through the fiber. I mean, I was talking to an individual the other day who has a patent that he's developed on a water filtration system for hemp that he is now conducting research on to turn it into an N95 mask because of a lot of the really good properties that are found in hemp. And so it's opening innovation into the space and can offer a lot of potential benefits and opportunities for solving some of the the problems that are arising. Similarly, like with animal feed, we're likely going to be coming into a shortage here, food shortage come harvest time, because there's not a lot of workers that are going to be able to go into the fields and help with planting or with harvest. And so a lot of farmers are going to have to drill those into the ground, but instead we can know, try and push people to grow hemp grain or or push the FDA to get hemp approved as an animal feed because that is a perfect source of, of nutrient-dense food that can be used to really help all of humanity in, in time of crisis.
1: Talking about the different, you know, the pork issues and the meat issues with COVID and the manufacturing facilities and the chickens, right? And using hemp as an alternative source of protein really can go a long way to stabilizing our food system. Absolutely.
0: So you guys put out a video in conjunction with this, a spin on the Hemp for Victory campaign video, which we're uh, going to link that in our notes with the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Sure. We really were, you know, like I said, inspired by the Hemp for Victory campaign and wanted to put out there in a video what the campaign was, as well as highlight some of the companies that are you know, in the forefront of the industry and participating in the campaign and Doing innovative things, particularly on the industrial side, we had Ed Lerberger, who's been making paper materials and doing R and D on hemp paper and plastics for years now in Colorado. And our friends at, at Object and Animal, which is a you know, Grammy-winning production company, were gracious enough to help us with the video. And you know, during COVID time, did it all from home. So you know, had folks submit content from all over the country and worked to interweave. Some of the the content from the original Hemp for Victory video, which was put out by USDA, to really w- leave that spirit in there. I
0: thought it was well done.
3: Yeah,
1: it turned out really, really good. Really good explanation of where we were, where we're going, and how hemp for our future really can help the people in need and help the country to recover. So speaking of which, what, what have been the results it has been going on for a while now? What, what are the results of the campaign so far?
2: You know, we're so grateful for everybody that's been involved every step of the way, just getting this this campaign off the ground. You know, everyone that participated in the video, you know, really seeing how important this is for our domestic economy and the importance of giving the hemp industry, you know, a visible platform for the public, you know, something beyond CBD, which has really kind of been in the spotlight for the last several years and given us an opportunity to kind of highlight some of the other Benefits of this plant and other uses of this plant. And so, so far we have been able to help facilitate donations of several hundred pounds of hemp hearts from Victory Hemp Foods to food based nutrition programs in several different counties in Kentucky. We've had more than 1000 units of hand sanitizer, lip balm, salves and other topicals. From a variety of CBD companies, from Purely, Fusion CBD, Nanocraft CBD, that particular donation was facilitated by CBD Takeout and a few other companies that have helped provide donations to professional nursing organizations in Massachusetts and New York. And then we've also had more than 200 items of hemp clothing donated from the Colorado Hemp Company, thank you, Morris, to the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless. Just a few weeks you know, out of the gate, we've already been able to facilitate multiple donations throughout the country and provide a variety of different products to these organizations that are in need. And we have several other donations that are in progress right now. We have other folks from the industry that have started to reach out about materials that they have to donate. And we've been contacting different beneficiary organizations throughout the country to begin and to continue to facilitate those.
3: Each week, we have more and more organizations and businesses signing on and Part of what I think has been really great is just the community and participation of the industry and one of the few issues that everyone's been agreed upon and gotten behind. So that's been particularly meaningful, especially during these times.
4: It's really like the first time that besides legalization of hemp, which everyone was like fighting over for the spotlight, you know, but feels like really the first campaign that the entire industry can get behind. And, you know, like Courtney said, not just CBD, it's highlighting food and fiber as well or the grain and fiber as well, which is, is so important because it has been left behind over the last five to 10 years or so. And so it's, it's nice to see all of these different organizations and companies getting behind a single cause to really propel the industry forward.
0: And if people want to get involved, how can they get involved? And is this going to be an ongoing program? And if so, for how long do you see it continuing on for?
3: Folks can get involved by going to Hemp Hemp for Our Future website and friendsofhemp.org. There's forms to sign on if you're a donor or an organization that could utilize materials or for support feel free to to contact any of us as well. We hope to keep this going as as long as there's people who need support. Through the initiative, we really want to highlight the hemp industry and the the incredible products it makes. And we anticipate that folks around the world are going to be getting very creative in adjusting their operations and tools to adjust to this new normal. And, you know, we're seeing restaurants in Colorado Propose innovative solutions to the the governor's office as to how they're going to maintain social distancing and other requirements, like putting shower curtains between diners, is something that's happened in other states. And I think for a long time to come, there's going to be opportunities for hemp to be, you know, really the most appropriate, suitable material for a number of reasons to be utilized by all sorts of different businesses, and certainly masks and, and some of the other materials we talked about. But we hope to continue this for as long as we can and hope to do good in the process.
2: Yeah, and I think it's important to highlight, you know, the immediate goal of the campaign is really about facilitating donations of Penn based products to nonprofit organizations, like you've been talking about, that have been impacted by the COVID crisis. But the long-term goal is, you know, to continue to maintain this alignment with our industry leaders and our veterans, and to collectively share a message a community with our global leaders, you know that this resource of hemp is here; it is ready for use. It can provide us with thousands of amazing products that we use in every single day life, and to really give visibility to the hemp plant and the benefits that it can provide to
0: all of us. Sounds great. You got any other questions, Rick? Nope. I think we're good. That was solid. We are doing a summer solstice, as everybody on this call knows, and we are going to have a booth for Friends of Hemp and and an outlet for Hemp for Our Future, so folks will be able to find out more information at that event, and then we'll also... I think everyone on this call will be involved in the live sessions. We're going to be doing a 1% session with Courtney and we'll go more into that a little bit later on, but we are going to raise that percentage to 1% so the hemp industry can have a little more breathing room and we don't have to have our farmers under pressure so much and worrying about having to destroy their crops.
1: And that's 1% THC limit on a dry weight basis versus 1% the top economic echelon of the country.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're different 1%ers for sure. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you're the green 1%, the good 1%.
4: Thank you. And uh, visit friendsofhemp.org to learn more about the initiative and how you
1: can get involved. Yeah, get engaged and help create the future we all want for hemp for our future. Thank you,
0: ladies. Thank, Thank you. you. OnePlanetHemp.com Merchandise and products for the planet, including hemp t-shirts, hemp hats, hemp posters, hemp guitars, hemp guitar straps, hemp amplifiers, and even hemp books, including American Hemp Farmer, the best-selling book from author Doug Fine. Check out OnePlanetHemp.com. And we're back. It's always good to chat with all those ladies. They're all very... Smart and very passionate and great leaders here in the the hemp and cannabis industry and very insightful talking to all of them.
1: Yeah, and I think it's amazing to hear uh, all the different perspectives, but really the driving force behind everything was that hemp can really help us recover. Hemp can provide food, right? A superfood. Hemp can provide medicine in the form of cannabinoids. It can provide clothing, which we've donated. I mean, all sorts of things that we've known about, right, historically as a country, we've lost track of since World War II, really even before World War II, but the parallels between how hemp is impacting change now and how hemp was critical for our economy and our war effort in the 1940s, there's a lot of parallels there.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know what would be interesting? Because we are in an election year, and we've got two less than desirable choices to be our president, and with Trump and with Biden, and neither one of them I've ever heard mention the word hemp. And very little about cannabis, other than Joe still doesn't seem to support the plant at all, really. And Trump just meanders around about it and has never done anything one way or another, other than signing the farm bill, which he probably didn't even know that hemp was in the farm bill. He just signed it.
1: It's interesting, as you said, that I was just looking up here whether either of them had talked about hemp. And then what I got was from the 20th of December of 2018, the day the farm bill passed. It says Trump officially legalizes industrial hemp, but you're right, it was a part of the larger 2018 Farm Bill, which actually Mitch McConnell put himself on that commission to do the reconciliation so that we could have hemp on there because Senator Grassley was very much opposed to it. So that was a big win and and a big thank you to Senator McConnell for doing that, putting that on there. But I think you're right. I don't think Trump had any clue what he was doing. Here's the question, though. Do you think if Trump legalized cannabis entirely, federally, how do you think that would impact the election?
0: I think he'd win automatically. And I think if Trump embraced industrial hemp and in agriculture and bringing manufacturing back to the United States and legalized cannabis and, and went all in on cannabis from adult use to medical to industrial, it would be, there's no doubt that he would win in a landslide. And if Biden did the same thing, it would give him an opportunity to win. I think that that would be the key for either one of those guys winning is going all in on cannabis.
1: Yeah. And then I guess the second question is if they did that, well how would that impact their donations from uh these other groups that are against them, would they continue to, to support that candidate? But I think you're right. I think I think this issue is so prevalent. And I was talking to some industry data folks today. And they were saying that really the millennials are over the conversation and it's just it's just a matter of a lot of that group, a lot of that demographic feels that there's way more harm done with other products than with cannabis in general, right, on the high THC and low THC side. So I think that's a big demographic. And if they go out to the polls, that could sway the election. So I I 100% agree with you. I think it's interesting. For our future, that campaign is really revitalizing the viewpoint of hemp. I mean, hemp has been so much about CBD recently, right? the cannabinoid portion but hemp has always traditionally been food fiber and fuel right so that's that's really what a lot of farmers and a lot of the industry is starting to focus a little less on the cbd and a little more on the other products uh, downstream products that can come from the fiber plate the textiles and the food and those sorts of things
0: that's the way it's got to go and that's the the way we've been talking about it since we started noco in 2014 we've been about fiber and grain and all of its applications and we knew that this CBD bubble was going to be just that. It was a bubble and, and nothing against CBD and cannabinoids and having that for supplements and food ingredients. That's We should be able to utilize this plant for all that it can be used for. But I think that there's a souring in a lot of farmers mouths about hemp has been oversold in the marketplace by advocates and associations and government agencies. And it was going to be this big savior and And I don't think that that's necessarily the truth in a lot of ways. I think that there was this underground surge of people thinking that they were going to make a whole bunch of money. It was just a green rush, just like the marijuana rush. But this has always been a long play in my mind that we have to build a big, robust industry for food and fiber and supplements. And it's going to take a long time and there's going to be shakeout. And if you can't open up the markets. It's just going to take time before all of that finally penetrates into these other industries. Unfortunately, a lot of people are are losing money at this point in time sitting on a bunch of material because we overgrew the CBD industry. But once things shake out with the FDA and it finally gets approved as a food ingredient and a dietary supplement like it should, that should hopefully relieve some of the inventory issues that are out there and finally get this stuff to be able to be implemented into a variety of different products and fill shelves across the country and across the planet?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, last year we planted just over 500,000 acres. We're registered, let's say we planted maybe half that, and then let's say we harvested 100,000 acres. But if you're getting 1,000 pounds of biomass an acre, that's 100 million pounds of biomass, of CBD biomass. That's a lot. That's a lot of biomass, and that's why, that's why we're seeing the, the glut, because the demand was – it's still increasing, but it's a slower rate because what the FDA and those sorts of things. But you're right, having CBD or even hip extracts as a food and food additive then allows it to go into all sorts of products, beverages, like it is now, but it allows it to do that on a more regulated and consistent basis. In you know, a lot everyone has clothing. Scale. Yeah, on a lot larger scale. Exactly. I mean, that really gets the large food companies interested, and in some of those some of those players that are sitting there waiting for FDA approval to move forward. But again, it, it's more than CBD, and the plant provides so many amazing. I mean, even the roots of the plant can provide amazing benefits. So it's it's good to see us as a as a nation starting to get back to our roots, essentially, and go with the fiber and the grain and the rest of the plant that can be utilized for all
0: sorts of all sorts of things. Well, hey, let's get your next guest up here. Kayla,
1: tell us a yeah. little bit about her. Kayla Dumont is incredible. We met at the uh, Hemp Culture Expo in San Diego earlier this year before COVID. She came onto the bus. She was doing some stuff with some pet products. She has a company called Medi Maple, which in California takes Vermont maple syrup and pairs it with THC. And she's also going to take that back to Vermont and do it with a CBG strain. She's going to report for us from there and let's get her on. Sounds good. Welcome back to Let's Talk Hemp in the 422. We're here with the incredible Kyla Dumont of Canna Forward Consulting. She focuses on marketing with new and existing companies in the cannabis world, mainly focuses on hemp out east, but she also created Medi Maple, a THC infused Vermont maple syrup. So she's looking to expand and develop that maple syrup with a CBG formulation back in Vermont after this harvest. She's taking off from California to Vermont for the summer to help harvest and focus on one main client and escape the COVID in California. Kyla, welcome to Let's Talk Hemp in the 422.
5: Thank you very much.
1: You're out there in mid-city LA. Um, Like I said, we used Mm -hmm. used to live in Manhattan Beach, so down the street from you, but uh, it's a little crazy there with COVID. So tell us what's happening in LA.
5: Well, California isn't really getting along. A lot of people are really disagreeing with the governor and the different decision that he's making. So it is it is a little crazy. It's not as crazy as the news makes it sound. People are walking around. People are still going out, walking their dogs. Face masks, I think, are more like a 50% thing when you go outside, but you have to have them anytime you go into a store. So I kind of stay away from the stores. Last time I went to Target, it took me like so hard to find what I was looking for cuz so many people were standing in bubbles waiting to go into the exit that it was like I just have been Amazoning everything lately.
1: <laughs> <Like, laughs> Amazon is doing well in this environment for sure, but it sounds like um there's some Are the beaches open out there or what's what's going on with I mean it's Memorial Weekend so coming up.
5: They just opened up the beaches. I believe that they're opening a few parking lots this weekend if people can battle for those few parking spots uh you can't sit or anything you can do water sports and walk you can't use your bike i don't believe i was looking at all the different signs and you can't go biking yet i'm not really sure why but you can't but bike surfing's okay. You can't sit. okay surfing is That's- okay but once you're on the sand you have to have a mask on
1: because every surfer puts a mask in their back pocket for sure
5: yeah yeah
4: interesting
1: I mean- <laughs> so as a result of that you're leaving California you are going back to Vermont which is where you're from tell us what you're going to be doing there this summer
5: yeah so I kind of decided that right now there's not really anything to do for me in California I work remote and there's no events. I'm really big into sports I can't even go to a Dodgers game a hockey game out here so I'm gonna go home for the summer and enjoy Lake Champlain where I'm from and one of my main clients just launched a pre-roll that I'm going to help them with their sales and marketing a little bit further, get them in the market a little bit more. I'm going to be going to the Cape, Massachusetts, all up in Vermont, maybe a little bit of Maine, a little bit of parts of New York and Adirondack area, just to help them push this new product that is incredible. And they are growing CBG on their farm this year. And I'm going to be exploring with sales with that. And, uh Expanding Medi Maple with
1: CBG. Yeah, so let's talk about Medi Maple. First of all, I, like we talked about when we met at the um, Hemp Culture Expo in San Diego earlier this year, um, we mm-hmm. were, took the road trip through Vermont a couple of times. We spoke with Lieutenant Governor, spoke with Bernie Sanders, obviously. Vermont's an amazing place, and the maple syrup there is incredible. But you are doing something totally cool with it a company called Medi Maple. When you're infusing cannabinoids into a Vermont maple syrup, tell us a little background about that and where you're at in California and what you're going to be doing out there in in Vermont.
5: Yeah. So when I moved out here, I really wanted to take two of my passions and put them together. And I grew up always being involved with maple syrup. I worked for a big maple company, a Quebec owned like huge equipment company. I learned all the ins and outs of maple. I've helped with maple, like just working on farms. So I really wanted to do something with maple syrup out in, in California. A lot of people didn't even know what maple syrup was. When you say maple syrup, they say Aunt Jemima, and then you have to explain to them it actually comes from a tree. And it's a whole new thing. So it's crazy that people don't know what it is. But I wanted to take California cannabis and put it with Vermont maple syrup. So it was uh, kind of like my baby. You know, I wanted to develop something, put two amazing products together and be able to be beneficial and medicinal for people.
1: So here's what's interesting. So obviously, the consistency of maple syrup is quite unique, texture based on temperature. And so, how do you infuse the cannabinoids, the THC in this example, or or hemp, you know, hemp derived down the road? But, how do you infuse yeah. those cannabinoids in there?
5: I do a heat process, so I have to bring the maple syrup to about 170 degrees. That's usually like the temperature that you would can with. If you ever are canning maple syrup, that's what you have to bring it up so it has to have a like a perfect seal on the top so you don't have to refrigerate it so i do that so you don't have to to refrigerate my product until you open it i have a process that i break down i bake the weed i put it into a machine i pull out all the cannabinoids and i use mct as my binder i tried so many different ways before i use mct and the fatty the amino acids and everything was the perfect binder. I've tried so many different things, even hash, some of the best hash in the world, and it just didn't bind well. So MCT oil is is that component that's really bringing the two together that you don't even taste.
1: You use THC now in California. but there are issues with licensing? I mean, California is very peculiar mm-hmm. when it comes to, to the THC yeah. side. So tell us about that and kind of the challenges you're facing with this product in the California market.
5: So the California market has problems with liquid. That's the problem. Liquid is dosed differently. It's it's not a gummy, it's not a candy where you can say, all right, this is five milligrams. You can pour a whole entire bottle over something, and that would be the hundred milligrams that they're only allowing. So right now, licensing isn't hard to get a license. It's more like what do you do with it after? Maple syrup isn't a cheap product. Maple syrup is either more or about the same price as what you would be putting. It with together. So putting liquid together with maple syrup is just really difficult here. So right now I'm waiting until you can have 200 or 300 milligrams. So it's actually a price point that people would actually want to pay because maple syrup is about 40 to $60 a gallon. And if you wow. infuse that, yeah. So it's hard to turn around and give 100 milligrams on the shelf for 60 to $75. It's, really, it's a hard sell. That's a really hard sell. So until they can allow having more milligrams in it, people won't understand the ratio is good. Chefs work with it. They love it. That's the best way to really work with the maple syrup right now in California is working with chefs that do infused dinners but that's kind of gone right now. You can't do that. You can't even go to a restaurant. You can't work with a chef. You can't even do an event. You can't even plan an event because you don't even know what the future is going to hold right now.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. Let's go
5: to Vermont. Let's go to Vermont and, you know, make something even better and get that across our 50 States and see what people can benefit with it.
1: And so why, when you go to Vermont, why CBG versus CBD or another cannabinoid?
5: CBG is going to be the new upcoming thing in the hemp world for medicinal purposes. I think hemp is really going into a direction where it's going into textiles and people are learning that we don't need different materials. We have hemp and we can build houses. We can make paper. We can make products. We can make packaging. So I think hemp is going in that direction. But CBG and CBD, I feel like CBD is kind of falling off a little bit, kind of like the whole kale thing a few years ago. And people are looking into the cannabinoids a little bit deeper and seeing what different cannabinoids do. And CBG has a lot more benefits for people. And uh, a lot more first responders are using it. I've done research on policemen, firemen, and I want to be able to open up my product to all those markets, not just the THC market. And by doing it in Vermont, I can have everything be sourced in Vermont. And that's really important to me too.
1: I like it. Maple cannabinoids for law enforcement, helping yes, with anxiety, not, right? good food, energy boost from the sugars. I think it's good.
5: I'm just thinking of like the super troopers guy chugging the maple syrup. Now, if that had CBG in it.
1: Oh my God. They'd be so, yeah. I don't even know if they would <laughs> I think they would still go to Mexico or they might just go right up to Canada. I don't know. They might just go for a bigger trip. Cause CBGs, <laughs> so they are They might just get after it. Uh, I guess exactly. like for, to Mexico is quite, quite a haul. So that is a large trip. So
5: we just CBG go to Canada, you know,
1: there we go. And yeah, I was like five, five minutes away. Perfect. Yep. In fact, when I was up there, I think I flew. I had a wedding in L.A. Actually, as best man in a wedding in L.A., and I flew. I drove to Montreal and then flew from there to L.A. So that's, that's um,
5: how I get home. So really, what sucks right now is I can't drive through Toronto when I go home. I'm going to have to drive through, um, like, go by Niagara Falls and go around instead of right through because the borders are so closed. So oh wow, oh well,
0: that's wild. <laughs>
1: Crazy. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for all the information. And Many Maple is, is super exciting and it's an exciting product and a great combination of you know something local and something you know, desired from Vermont with cannabinoids. I think it's, it's health and happiness all in one bottle.
5: Yeah. A lot of happiness.
1: Well, let's get into the, uh, the four questions we ask all of our guests. First of all, what are you most thankful for in our industry?
5: in our industry. I think my favorite thing about this industry and what I'm so thankful for is the diversity in it is it's almost like a melting pot. Coming from Vermont, you kind of realize you come from an area where everyone is the same. And then coming into this industry, it doesn't matter where you're from, what color your skin is, what your background is, you bring something to the table. And I think that's that's one thing that you kind of find your place in this industry and uh, it's open to everyone. Everyone wants help. Everyone wants to hear new ideas and everyone wants to share ideas. No one's like, Oh, you know, I just gave you that recipe. Give me something. It's like, no, how did your recipe turn out? Like, I share many maple recipes all over with people on Instagram and I love hearing the stories and I don't know these people, they just want to know. And so I think it's the diversity and the melting pot of it.
1: That's a good point for sure. For sure. What do you think is the largest opportunity or the largest challenge we have in front of us today?
5: The government stopping big growth and big good things happening and taking over and making it more like Pharma USA. I think eventually they're going to catch on and try to get the money, but I really think we'll fight that for as long as we can.
1: Catch on to the the what the the medicinal benefits or the the health benefits of, of the plant and then try to corner that yeah. market?
5: Yeah, I know pharmaceutical companies are already looking in to buying farms and stuff and I just don't want just don't want that happening. I really like the mom and pops. I really like the companies really helping people and going home and talking to so many people like they had these dreams for so long and now they're finally being able to do it. Like why take that away from people like, yeah, it's not like that.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Third question. What's your favorite hemp product?
5: Favorite hemp product at the moment is probably the pre-roll that I just launched with the company. They chose strands that are just so incredible that every single one of them stands out. Their name's Green Mountain Buds check them out online and on instagram and they have lifter special sauce midwest hybrid and the cherry wine and they just it's so cool it's like they have something for everyone and if you don't want to smoke it you can turn it into something great and i just really i was really happy with working with them learning about why they chose those strands so i would say those pre-rolls right now
1: Nice. And pre-rolls, that smokable side of the the industry is a big growing industry and a lot of value to farmers. So good Good choice. Finally, what's your thoughts on Let's Talk Hemp and the 422 podcast?
5: I think it's great. I think it's cool that you're universal and you go and meet people and you talk about a lot of different topics it's quick and fun it's not one of those podcasts you have to listen to for like 50 minutes to get to what you <laughs> wanted to hear i feel like that's a big problem in podcasts is people just like to talk
1: yeah it's a fine line between letting people right talking and, and staying focused but mm-hmm. i think we did both of those fantastically here so appreciate you coming on
5: awesome thank you so much
1: thanks again this uh, let's talk hemp and the 422 kyla dumont from la by way of vermont thanks so much
5: thank you
3: have a great day
0: Join the NOCO Hemp Expo crew June 16th through 19th for the Experience Hemp Summer Solstice event, our second virtual conference and trade show. Exhibitor and sponsor registration is now open and attendees get in for free. Brought to you by Colorado Hemp Company and Let's Talk Hemp Media. More information at nocohempexpo.com. And we're back. Well, that was an interesting chat there you had with Kayla.
1: Yeah, man, she's doing some amazing things, and it just kind of goes to show that California really is under lockdown, but half the people are going out, half of them are wearing face masks, half aren't. I mean, it's just getting compliance in California is tough, but it's either way, it's still locked down for the next short period of time, at least through the summer, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, I can't but, imagine but, that they're going to – you can't just shut down California. You can't shut down Los Angeles with the mayor saying, hey, we're not going to open up the city until they find a cure. That just doesn't go over with 20 million people living in your vicinity.
1: No, I mean, it doesn't make any sense, especially when you have beaches available and all the outdoor stuff available. I mean, they were saying on the beach, like she said, if you're fine, if you're surfing, when you get done surfing, you come to the beach, you have to put your mask on. There's not even pockets and wetsuits. You don't carry a mask you know, while you're surfing. It just, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, right? It's just, it's crazy. But what I thought was interesting was she was talking about THC's issues in, in California and then going all the way back to Vermont where she's from do many maple there with CBG on the hemp side, which there's not a lot of CBG products out there yet.
0: No, but it's coming. People have been working on it the last couple of years and you'll see more and more of it. I got some, what'd we get? CBG and CBN samples from one company.
1: Capsules? Was so the capsules and or edibles? Or what? They're all okay. tinctures. Interesting. So when I broke my toe gosh, two years ago, three years ago, playing volleyball, kicked the ball and shattered the outside of my big toe. My brother-in-law is a podiatrist. So I went and got x-rayed. He's like, yeah, it's shattered. And I ordered some CBG isolate from Slovenia or Slovakia back then. I ordered about three grams and smoked it over the next three weeks and went back for the x-ray and my foot was completely healed. The bone, everything was completely healed. And my brother-in-law couldn't believe it. And all that I had done different was just smoked a lot of CBG isolate. Obviously, we can't make medical claims, but that's a pretty... Bad-ass story and pretty good for my foot for sure. But a lot of people don't even know what CBD does, right? So if we're if we're adding a new cannabinoid, it could just confuse the whole market.
0: But I don't see any other way that it's going to happen. That is going to happen. Yeah. It already yeah, is I mean, to a degree, and and then retailers are going to be like, hey, we're just figuring out CBD and how to explain this to customers. Now we got to do CBG and then CBC and CBN and CBDA and THCV and all these others. But the beauty of
1: all of these compounds that we're, we're talking about is that in a natural state, right, naturally derived, your body cannot overdose on any of them, right? You can't overdose on CBD, on CBN, CBV, CBDA, THC, Delta-9 THC, you can't overdose on that, right? So the health risk, the death risk, right, is zero, which is unheard of for a, a medicinal compounds, right? And so that I would challenge anyone to find a, a medical prescription pill that has a death rate of zero.
0: I think you can probably overdose. You just can't overdose and die. You can take more yeah, you than can, too much.
1: For sure. I mean, I think when you and I were in England, I took, what, 1.5 grams in a day, edible? It was too much. I mean, the first thing we took was, I thought it was a chocolate-covered cherry. I thought it was 25 milligrams of CBD, and it was 250 milligrams, which is that first product of when we judged was more than I'd taken in that day, I think, ever up to that point. So we consumed a lot that day, man. But again, no threat of if we consume that much and or, or Advil, we could be in a bad shape, but not with cannabinoids. So I think that's that's super fantastic. Uh, that's what's cool about what Kyla's doing, putting that into the maple syrup. And like she said, she was interested she wanted to give it to the law enforcement, which I think is pretty cool. Help them get healthy, help them get energy, help them have less anxiety, which is much needed for our policemen and firemen and, and law enforcement across the country. So, so I actually- heard
0: that it's legal to did we talk about that with Annie or maybe this was on something else? That police officers in Arizona are allowed to take C B D. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think we talked about that on another call, but it was yep, yeah, that's that's what I heard, which is which is awesome. Full spectrum C B D. helps. I think more cops should I mean there was recently that another incident of a black man dying I think it was in Wisconsin or Michigan, Minnesota, somewhere on there, a cop was on his neck and uh poor guy died. I think if more cops run C B D it might help them with their anxiety and may prevent stuff like that happening in the future.
0: Well, that would be good. We need to prevent more incidents like that. Police abuse towards the general public is not a good thing, and it creates all this divide politically and the whole thing.
1: Yeah, and and I I don't get the politicizing of it, but I I guess I do to some degree. But as a nation, we're way too militarized in general. And collaboration and, and conversation and Talking things out is a lot healthier than going in guns blazing, for sure. But at any rate, I mean, we can only do what we can do. And we're spreading the good word with the podcast and with all the different people we're bringing on and, and trying to help people rise above all of the uh, conflict and confrontation and, and really look at things from a different perspective.
0: Right. And two weeks from now, on the 17th of June, because we're broadcasting right now on June 3rd, we will be live at the summer solstice with our second virtual event so we'll be me and you'll be broadcasting live there the 16th the 17th and the 18th we've got six super sessions plus multiple expo halls multiple lounges to do business we've got a job fair and we're taking our virtual experience to the next level so looking forward to that
1: and it's going to be huge too because we have i mean it's not you and i moderating everything this time we're going in and and introducing some folks and really expanding the. The moderator role and the experts we have coming in are, are top-notch from all over the world. So it's really, really good education, really a good way to, like you said, are you experienced and you got to get experienced at Summer Solstice event. So I'm really looking
0: forward to it. All right. Well, we'll catch everybody then. Good chatting with you, Rick. We'll see you soon. Always, brother. All righty. The best way you can support the show is to share this with your family, friends, and colleagues. Don't miss the opportunity to learn more about this podcast at letstalkhemp.com. And if you enjoyed the show, feel free to subscribe and leave us an iTunes review. Thanks for listening. See ya!
2: Thanks for listening to today's show.
6: Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.